fearless fam welcome to another episode where we shed light on topics most like to keep in the dark this is your host chuvi and today's elephant is a level five i am excited to bring this topic into life because it is honestly one that i don't know much about besides what a's basically is but before we get into that um that topic i want to say happy national black poetry day today is monday the 17th and national black poetry day honors all the talented african-american poets both past and present i am going to read two poems of my favorite black poets one from the past and one from the present so i will be reading paul lawrence dunbar 1872 to 1906. Um, he was the son of an african parent who had been slaves prior to the american civil war dunbar also wrote novels and plays as well as penning the lyrics for the 1903 musical comedy in uh, Danahome, the first all-African-American musical that was ever produced on Broadway. But it was as a poet, one of the first internationally popular African-American poets, that Dumba would achieve a real fame and success. He died young of tuberculosis, aged just 33. The final stance of this poem gave Maja Angelou a phrase which she subsequently made more popular. But the whole of Dunbar's poem about sympathy is worth reading. So here it is. I know why the caged bird sings, ah me, when his wing is bruised and his bosom sore. When he beats his bars and he will be free. It is not a core of joy or glee, but a prayer that he sends for his heart's deep core but a plea that upward to heaven he flings. I know why the cage bird sings. I hope you all go and check him out. I will write his name below. And now my second poet, which I had the pleasure of meeting when I was 19 years old at a reading done in Miami, Florida. Her name is Stacey Ann Chin. I just love her work. I have her book called The Other Side of Paradise. She is a total badass of a woman, Jamaican lesbian poet, and much more. Honestly, I didn't know which piece of work to read from her because all her work is truthful, painful, and just raw. But here's her poem called One Question. All my life I have been trying to answer one question. How to chart battles without starting wars, losing shot some sick. Long shot, some say, to catch that kind of truth. Place it where, where anyone can see. One day clear as morning, another afternoon. The damn thing black like molasses. Often the body of it is a thick as love. In moments, hard as revolution. One question, how to fight fire with warmth. I am only human. A frail light among other lights. We all flicker, fell each other. That's just part of the poem. I hope you check out her work and see other poems that she has. This poem is particularly long, but I just wanted to give you the, obviously the beginning of what it is. And now to continue to the show. I decided to talk about this poem because it is Hispanic Heritage Month. And two, I do not know much about this topic. So here we are learning together as I share this information with you all. So what is National Latin X? Or like most like to call it, Latin, National Latino AIDS Awareness. 
Well, it was first observed in 2003 by the Hispanic Federation and the Latino Commission on AIDS. NLAAD, which is La National Latin AIDS Awareness Day, is an opportunity to help address the disproportionate impact of HIV on Hispanic Latinx communities, promote HIV testing, and stop HIV stigma. This observant is also a community mobilization effort that helps promote the effective ways to prevent, treat, and stop the transmission of HIV among Hispanic Latinx people. Now I feel like we have to go back in time a little, and by that I mean like a history recap, because we need to know how it led to this, you know, the National Latinx Awareness Day. And please know all the information is from HIV.gov and EchoHealthAlliance.org. So in June 16, 1981, a 35-year-old white gay man who is exhibiting symptoms of severe immunodeficiency is the first person with AIDS to be admitted to the clinical center at the National Institute of Health. He never leaves the center and unfortunately dies on October 28th. The AIDS crisis, as we generally think of, began in the 1980s, first as a mysterious illness primarily infecting gay men in the urban areas in the United States. But that's not really the beginning. Before the disease first mentioned in 1982 in the New York Times, people have been dying of AIDS for, the, for at least a decade, though probably not much longer. In Africa, HIV, the virus that causes AIDS, has jumped from chimpanzees to humans, sometimes early in the 20th century, as per the EchoHealthAlliance.org. Now, fast forward a couple of years in the 1980s, AIDS was first identified in the United States, like I mentioned before, in 1981. In 1984, three years after scientists identified AIDS, they did discover its cause, which I mentioned earlier, the HIV. Researchers estimated that about 100,000 to 3,000 people worldwide lived with HIV pre-1980. It's believed that HIV-1, the most common form of the virus, spread from chimpanzees to humans no later than the 1930s. Most likely during bush, uh, bushmeat trading, hunters will have come into contact with animal blood while hunting chimpanzees, probably in and around Cameroon. Researchers have retrospectively discovered HIV in old blood samples. One sample was drawn as, as far back as 1959 from a man living in what's now known as the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Genetic tracing has shown that HIV has propagated in the United States since the 1970s, if not earlier. Information by Healthline.com. Okay, yes, the history of HIV and AIDS is pretty long, but to recap the last part, it was believed for a while that HIV AIDS was only between gay community, later to be proven false throughout the years. Also, as we know, over the years, the advancement of medicines has prolonged the lives of many. So now, why did Latinx AIDS awareness begin? According to AIDSVU.org, overall Hispanic Latinx community faced cultural and societal challenges 
including language barrier and mistrust of the healthcare system. These challenges can delay HIV testing and necessary treatment. In 2019, 21% of new HIV diagnoses among HIV Hispanic Latinx people were diagnosed late. In the same year, only an estimated 51% of Hispanic Latinx individuals reported ever being tested for HIV. This year, AIDS VU is also highlighting the impact of social determinants of health, such as poverty and a lack of health insurance on HIV-related health outcomes for Hispanic Latinx people. So in 2019, 17.2% of Hispanic Latinx people were living in poverty, compared to the 12% of the U.S. population. In the same year, 225 of Hispanic Latinx people were uninsured, compared to 10.4% of the U.S. population. But I do want to get into some of the prevention methods some of us might already know about, and some we may not. So according to the CDC, the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention, today more tools than ever are available to prevent HIV. You can use strategies such as abstinence, not having sex, never sharing needles, and using condoms the right way every time you have sex. You may also be able to take advantage of HIV prevention medicines such as pre-exposures, uh, pre-exposure prophylaxis, which is PrEP, P-R-E-P, and post-exposure prophylaxis, P-E-P. And I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing the pro prophylaxis wrong. <laughs> so I guess it's safe to say that because of the stigma Latinx people carry with them can be one of the reasons why their health goes unchecked, especially Hispanic, Latinx, gay, and bisexual men and men who have sex with men face. I remember watching a documentary with the great Paola Ramos, a journalist in various platforms, especially Vice, where she went to Mexico, I believe, and was doing a documentary on the epidemic of AIDS among men in the gay community. And the fa facilities that were kind of undercover instead of saying HIV, AIDS clinic or something like that because of the fear of getting killed, beat up, etc. And the shame that is scary with them. We all know that as Hispanics, there's a certain hush-hush about certain things. Just like we mentioned in our previous episodes about periods, that we do not talk about it. Which is so crazy to me. But yes, in this documentary, she mentioned something along the lines of, The HIV epidemic is not an epidemic because they're homosexual. It is an epidemic because of the lack of education about sex. And that phrase stuck to me for the longest, obviously until today, which then you can assume because of both the language barrier, if they're in a new country, and the stigma Latinx families have, they rather not get themselves tested or taken care of, um, rather than face the ridicule or the fear of their safety. So yes, I know this was a lot to unpack here, but what is your earliest memory of getting informed about HIV or talking about it. Mine was in ninth grade. A couple came into our library and shared their story. He had AIDS, his wife did not. They used protection and one of the condoms broke, but luckily he was undetectable and he did not transmit it to her. Then eventually they had kids and they're pretty perfectly healthy. He did mention that because they are a black uh, couple, they 
the stigma was high, but they clearly broke that stigma. But this is what happens when there is a an access to education and access to medical care. He was able to get medical care. He was able to get himself to a um, healthy state and have a um, healthy sexual relationship. But um, please do share in the comments below when was your first time that you were educated or ever heard about HIV AIDS. I know there's a lot of more information to share, probably missed a couple of things, but I feel like I compacted as much as I could. So um, I do want to share some quotes with you all that I found. It is bad enough that people are dying of AIDS, but no one shall die of ignorance. Elizabeth Taylor. HIV does not make people dangerous to know, so you can shake their hands and give them a hug. Heavens know they need it. Prince, Princess Diana. We live in a completely in, interdependent world, which simply means we cannot escape each other. How we report, respond to AIDS depends in part on whether we understand this interdependent. It is not someone else's problem. This is everybody's problem. Bill Clinton. One of the best ways to fight stigma and empower HIV positive people is by speaking out openly and honestly about who we are and what we experience. Alex Garner, HIV activist. One day, I love to say I used to have HIV. Unknown. Some of these quotes were eye openers, don't you think? Um, but I also feel like because of social media being so prevalent now, it is easy to, yes, spread misinformation, but also spread information about topics that need more acknowledgement. I feel like a lot do use social media for whatever reason, and I feel like it is safer for them to get themselves an appointment safely and online. And I am referring to, you know, people not taking care of themselves you know, because of the ridicule of the stigma, because of fear of their health. Um, it is easy to find a place that they can feel comfortable in going to, all the facilities online. Um, even though the topics of HIV and AIDS shouldn't be a hush-hush thing anymore, we need to break that stigma. We need to um, speak about it. Um, so instead of criticizing someone's life choices, we should be informing them on safe sex. And this goes back to talking about sex in school, especially safe sex. This is not related. It's a domino effect. But um, no information about sex leads to unsafe sex practices, which can lead to having, self, having health issues. But so, yeah, back to the Internet. I mean, I feel like because the, of the Internet is now prevalent, they are able to um, find safe spaces and safe places for them to go and not have to make it a big deal. And I put this on quotation to whoever's listening. Um, because they're able to do that safely, now they could just go out into the world one day and nobody's going to know where they're going. But um, I feel like that's important to have the accessibility online to be able to get these appointments done for them to get themselves um, health care and apply for all the things that they need to. So in part, I feel like social media um, 
has helped and can help. But obviously these people, um, obviously people need to get the information. They need to find the resources of where to go and how to apply and how to find the nearest center to them. And unfortunately, some people still don't have access to internet or places like this, you know, like I mentioned earlier, due to poverty, due to um, their circumstances. So anytime you can share any information that can be helpful to someone, I think you should, you should, especially if you know the source is reliable. And I feel like people rather judge the person or say, well, this person has this instead of just obviously trying to help them if they can. But Fearless Fam, it is getting to the time in the show where I ask you a question. What did you learn and what did you already know about this topic? Please share in the comments below. So my final thought will be that it starts with us. Breaking all the stigmas, all the stereotypes that are put upon us. Take back your narrative. Um, reading is essential. Get educated, fact check, get all the sources possible. Share all the reliable sources that you don't know who's reading. You don't know who's needing that information. Um, we're not an island. We are in this together. Um, like the Clinton quote said, it is not someone else's problem, but everyone's problem. Um, so please make sure to follow us, not someone else's problem. And with that being said, please make sure to follow us on all the social media platforms, rate, rate our podcast, share the comment, share, comment, um, do all that fun stuff. So if you want to help us donate, the link below, help us do that, which is the one that says, um, Anchor FM slash No Filters No Fear Studios uh, slash support. Right now, we are currently donating to teachers in need. I use the donate don, donate. Um, it's called Donors Choose, and I'm gonna make a fundraiser. So I we want to reach a hundred dollars and. I feel like that's fairly accessible. Like, I feel like that's achievable. And I say a hundred because most uh, classroom pro uh, projects that they have on donors choose um, are not that expensive, but teachers are still not able to afford it. And that's a lot of money coming out of them. And you also have to remember that some teachers teach up to 40 kids. That's a lot. Um, so, and we're also donating to women's shelter so in this one is all types of donations so if you want to contact me please let me know and we'll could get together and come uh, and just prepare the donations for the women's shelter um if you like more information that that then please email me send me a message on instagram and if you like to support the show the link in our bio takes you directly to our website we got new shirts and new mugs. As you saw last week, I am in love with my shirt. Um, have you seen them? Yeah, okay. So go to go to nofiltersofyourstudios.com. Um, so please think of all this information. Go back to um, any part of the video that you would like to stop at, like to revisit, and um, you yourself find more information and 
if there's anything that I said that was wrong or um, that was missed, even though I did my own, even though I did my research, but if there is something that is wrong, uh, please let me know. Just correct me. Just let me know. This is the actual information. This is the correct information. Um, thank you everyone who has been with us since day one. And thank you all to the new people that have joined us. Welcome, Fearless Fam. Thank you so much. Um, and like I always say, stay fearless, everyone.